The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk to my good buddy Jim Sonnes over at FanDuel. We're going to talk about the Eagles offseason thus far, and he and I are going to do a fantasy draft. We're going to make a lineup out of NFC East players, and so we will give you the best of the NFC East fantasy-wise uh, from a fantasy perspective coming up here in just a few minutes. And I wanted to get his thoughts on where he has the Eagles ranked among the best teams in the NFC right now after a very busy offseason and especially last couple of weeks. Uh, but we have to start off the show talking about the James Bradbury signing. Uh, just a a really surprising and wonderful and most welcome bit of news. The Eagles signing him to a one-year, uh, ten-year, ten million dollar deal, but uh, not all of that is guaranteed. It's only uh, I think it was it seven and seven and a quarter million of that is guaranteed, and so the Eagles bring in a guy who went to the Pro Bowl a couple of seasons ago, back in 2020 with the Giants. His uh, career high in interceptions. He set last year four interceptions for the Giants last season. Uh, The Giants let him go because he was taking up a tremendous amount of space on their cap. And, um, you know, the Giants are getting a lot of heat for not trading him. Uh, There was uh, all kinds of speculation that there were like 10 teams interested in in James Bradbury. But I got to believe the Giants would have made a deal if there was one to be made. Frankly, if you are a team who is not the Eagles, who really wanted James Bradbury on your team, you should have given something up for him. Um, whether it's a sixth-round pick next year or a you know, seventh-round pick next year, the Giants probably would have taken something, anything. But it doesn't appear as though the Giants got any offers for James Bradbury because they knew the Giants would have to release him, and so they figured they could just sign him without giving up any draft capital. Well, you do that, sure. It's one of the reasons why I didn't think the Eagles were going to land him. I figured there were a number of teams that would be interested in signing him and bringing him aboard, especially at this time of the NFL calendar. You rarely see an impact move made in May. I think LeGarrette Blunt signing with the Eagles uh, in 2017, back in, in May of 2017, is probably the most impactful May move we've seen this team make in recent years. And I think James Bradbury is going to be right up there with that move. I don't know if it leads to a Super Bowl, but uh, it's, it's, it's going to have tremendous impact on the defense. And while I don't think he is one of the very, very, very best cornerbacks in the game. He certainly is a very good cornerback. And from the Eagles' perspective, given what they were going to trot out there if they hadn't signed a guy like James 
Bradbury. It just it just made all the sense in the world. And I, I know that they have a bunch of second year guys that they really like. They've been talking up Zach McPherson. They've been talking up Tay Gown. Um, but you don't if you have playoff aspirations, that is a lot of uncertainty at a very important spot. And so now you've got Darius Slay. On the one side, he's going to cover the number one guy, and you've got uh, Bradbury uh, on the other outside, and now you've got Avante Maddox in the slot, who had a terrific year last year as, as, the, as the slot corner. The Eagles have one of the strongest cornerback trios in the NFL now. I don't know where specifically it ranks, but it's just it was kind of a no-brainer kind of a move, and I know that it puts the Eagles very close to the salary cap. It, they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room right now, uh, so that's an issue, but... This was a move that just made so much logical sense for what the Eagles need needed, where, where they are. They were not able to get that cornerback in draft, early in the draft, because the board fell a certain way and they had a chance to make the A.J. Brown trade. And I certainly don't think anybody is complaining about how things went. This guy was out there and, and he was available for any team to go out and sign. And the Eagles got him. The Eagles either outbid everybody else and or Bradbury just wanted to come play in Philadelphia and he'll play the Giants twice this year. So maybe that had a little bit of something to do with it. But th- this is this is a a solidifying move. What this is is a stabilizing move for Jonathan Gannon's defense. It just removes one more bit of uncertainty. It removes one more question mark. You know what you're going to get in James Bradbury. You're going to get a competent cornerback who can cover a team's number two wide receiver with very little trouble. He's had at least one interception every year of his six-year career. Again, last year he had the most in his career with four. Um, You know, he's not a guy who is necessarily going to shut down another team's number one. But, you know, you can put him on a team's number one wide receiver if Darius Slay is hurt or something. And and he can do some good things for you there. So it's just, I, I think that sometimes we look at some of the players that are out there and we see a perfect fit. And we say, man, the Eagles should go get him. Or the, you know, whatever team it might be. The 49ers should go get that guy or whatever it is. And they don't do it for whatever reason. And there's usually a good reason, but sometimes there's not a good reason. It's just somebody may say, no, nah, we don't, we, we just don't like that guy for our system. I'm like, what? What are you, what are, what are you saying? But so, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how infrequently the team that you root for, whoever it is, rarely makes the logical move, the, the, the no-brainer move. But this is the no-brainer move and, and Howie Roseman made it. It just it, it gives you a little bit more confidence in that defense. And now, really, the, the only place the Eagles have a question mark is at safety. You're looking at a, Marcus Epps is probably going to enter the season at, at, at starter there. And I don't know if maybe maybe somebody else will shake free as we get closer to training camp. But uh, in the meantime, hey, this is a great signing. Uh, you know, this isn't the difference between them going to the Super Bowl and not. But this could be the defense between them having a legitimately good pass defense and a pass defense that gets ripped apart. And that's a big deal. And that can be a big thing uh, if, if Jonathan Gannon doesn't want to rush. You know, he wants to have a lot of guys in coverage. Maybe that allows him to be a little bit more aggressive in certain situations with blitzing linebackers and blitzing safeties. If you've, if you've got another guy who you, you feel good is not going to get toasted, is not going to get burned on a regular basis. You just you have another veteran back there who knows what he's doing. You've increased the level of competence and a guy who can make some plays. I mean, listen, Bradbury had more interceptions than Darius Slay last year, so uh, it's just it's it's an excellent signing. It's just a really good move, and it's a, a big move by the Eagles here, especially in the month of May. 
Well, joining me to talk a little bit more about the birds, the NFC East, and where the Eagles stand in the pecking order in the division and in the conference overall. And we're also having a little fun with some fantasy football uh, over the next few minutes as well. Jim Sonis, my good buddy from FanDuel. Uh, we worked together for a long time when I was a baseball writer over at numberfire.com, and Numberfire has morphed into uh, FanDuel now. Uh, we're sucked up as part of the great FanDuel machine that's out there. And of course, you can catch Jim doing a whole slew of things for FanDuel, which I'm going to make him run down for us here in just a second. Uh, first, Jim, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, buddy? I am fantastic now that I'm talking to you, John. I uh, could not think of a better way to spend my day. How you doing? I, I hope you could think of some better ways, man. I, I tried. Really do, I tried. I, I like, <laughs> I, I went through like a list of like, you know, I could go to a beach I could sure take a walk. And I was like, nah, I'd rather talk to John. This sounds better to me. Get a nice cold glass of water sometimes would be a more enjoyable situation. But I, I appreciate I appreciate that very much, my friend. Uh, and you can follow uh, Jim on Twitter at Jim Sonnes, S-A-N-N-E-S. Before we get started, tell all of the folks about all the different things you have going on there for FanDuel. You host a bunch of different things. Yeah, we do a lot of stuff. And it's like... We try to just cover all the bases effectively. Luckily, I'm not covering all the bases myself because I don't know NBA. I don't know NHL, stuff like that. So I'm not doing any of that. But I will do uh, stuff on the NFL, Major League Baseball, PGA, uh, DFS. I do with Brandon Gadula. I do NASCAR stuff too, which is super, super yeah. fun. Dabbling in some Formula One this year. Not for like the site, but just for like my own personal like entertainment, I guess. Um, so it's been fun. It, it's fun this time of year where I can actually just kind of enjoy sports as opposed to like, you know, kind of being tired all the time during NFL season, which is fun too. But like, I like feeding the, the beast is exhausting. Yeah, it is. And like, it's a good exhausting. I'm not complaining, but like you do sure. get a little tired. Uh, this time of year, I get to just like enjoy sports more. So it's probably yeah. my favorite time of year, honestly. That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of with with the NFL. I know it's a lot of people consider this the dead period, and, and it, you know it is a little more challenging to find stuff to talk about. But you know teams are still making moves, and and you're looking at the how things shake up within your division and within your conference. And then yeah, you've got I'm a big baseball guy, as you know, and so enjoy the baseball season and all that kind of stuff. NBA, NHL playoffs are wrapping up. It's a good time of year to be a sports fan for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the NFL season here coming up though, and. I think the Eagles have had, objectively speaking, one of the best off-seasons of any team in the NFL. It's one of the better off-seasons I can remember them having. And it was really just a month ago that most Eagles fans were lamenting the fact that the 2022 Eagles were going to look a lot like the 2021 Eagles. They hadn't done very much. Um, but then, you know, draft night comes. They they go and they get their stud defensive tackle in the first round, and they, they trade their other first-round pick for a stud wide receiver, a move that surprised everybody. And then, you know, signing James Bradbury this week and making a couple other moves. It, it really feels as though the momentum is now building for this team to be a whole lot more improved over the 2021 team. If you were to sign a letter grade to the Eagles offseason, what would it be? I'd be a bad teacher because I like would feel bad giving bad grades. So I would never like, I don't think I could be a teacher, but that's why like, if I say I'm giving them an A, it's like not like, oh, if Mel Kuyper gives two A's out of 32 like teams or like his draft sure. grades and stuff like that. Like, I'm not that tough of a grader. But like, honestly, like if you think about the moves they could have made and then think about the moves they did make, like what opportunities did they miss? And I, I can't right. really think of any personally because they added a legit star pass catcher via just one first round pick and a healthy size contract, too. And that does matter as well. Definitely is a part of the equation. I think that adding Jordan Davis allows you to 
not be hideous against the run while still devoting a lot of resources to stopping the pass because he's like, he's like, that's kind of why the chargers made a lot of sense for him. It's like, okay, they want to devote few resources within their scheme to stopping the run. And you can do that when you have someone as good as him to do that. I think that's really effective to have him there. So I, I liked that move a lot. I liked the idea of moving a draft pick into next year, as opposed to this year, in part because of yeah. the strength of next year's class, in theory, relative to this one, uh, because of it allows you to hedge a bit and see what Jalen Hurts is for another year. I like that a lot. So I, I just, it, it's hard to like nitpick, I guess. So I, I mean, like I'd give an A, but again, that doesn't mean a whole lot because I'm a very soft grader. I want to just be fully upfront <laughs> with that. But like, yeah, I, I don't see, yeah. there wasn't a lot I could gripe about, honestly. Right, and Hassan Reddick joining the team yeah. is a much-needed edge rusher. It gives him uh, a, a kind of a flex guy at linebacker and defensive end for Jonathan Gannon. And we still don't really know what the defense is going to look like yet next year, how much the Eagles will be playing in 3-4, whether they'll be in 4-3 most of the time. It's So there are a lot of, a lot of different uh, things going on. But yeah, I think the thing I realize about this Eagles team, and I think one of the things that we don't see in sports is the logical moves oftentimes just don't get made. Mm -hmm. Like you look at what a team needs or you look at the, the players that are out there and you see things that a team needs and you just think, well, that's logical. Why wouldn't they just do this? Or they could just do this and this and it would not cost a whole lot. They could make this happen. And for whatever reason, maybe that is oftentimes a team's best laid plans and it takes two to tango with, with free agency and it takes two to tango with trades. And so you may not get what it is that's done that you wanted to get done, but it seems to me every move the Eagles have has made just made sense, yeah. right? It just made sense. There is a logic to it, and it seems it seems like an obvious thing to do. But it, I think that's what's been so shocking is that most teams just don't do the obvious thing a lot of times. And I think that you said the word there, which is like realistic, you know, like you have to like think about things in terms of like, what can they actually do? Like, right. I think if you actually wanted to lay one critique of the Eagles, it would be like, okay, they should have tried to go out for Russell Wilson. They tried to, should, you know, should go out for something else. And like, but was that realistic? Like, did Russ had this like very small list of teams he would go to? Like, was that actually obtainable? Um, maybe not. So like, I think that you need to keep that in mind that we can have these like, you know, pie in the sky kind of like ambitions for a lot of things, but they might not be realistic based on, like you said, taking two to tango. So you kind of have to keep that in mind when you're evaluating the way things went. Did they make the most realistic moves they could? Did, did they operate efficiently? And honestly, like I think the, the Bradbury signing is the best example of that. They gave up no draft resources. Uh, they picked up a guy who was cut, which means he doesn't count against their uh, their compensation. Uh, the the uh, the comp pick formula like that's a uh, right. classic Howie Roseman type move. So I mean I just think they they operated efficiently and it, they did what they had to do while addressing like key areas. Obviously you know a defensive tackle in a vacuum is not going to help your pass defense, but like I said, it allows you to dedicate more resources to stopping the pass when you don't have to worry as much about stopping the run because you've got this this alien type guy in the middle of your defensive line to help you there. AJ Brown obviously increases your projected passing efficiency by decent amounts. I think that they, they attacked smartly and they attacked in important areas, which is why I will appreciate it a lot. So what has been the most impactful offseason addition? AJ Brown by a mile. Like it's not even close. Like Reddick, cool. Bradbury, cool. Definitely think those are fun moves. Adding the pick next year. Cool. But like, it, it, you can't you can't overstate how important passing the football is in the NFL because if you want to be a team that is going to contend for 
first round buys, for divisions, for Super Bowls, you got to be a good, pa- efficient passing team. Last year, the most efficient passing team in the NFL in the regular season uh, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you had the Cowboys up there, the Chiefs, Rams, Packers, 49ers, uh, you know, Chargers were the first team, the highest ranked team in passing efficiency to not make the playoffs. And they probably should have made the playoffs. Yeah. So, like, basically, if you have an efficient passing offense, you're going to do damage. And they may not have, like, I, I don't know. Like, I can't evaluate quarterbacks. So I can't speak on Hurts. But, like, they are putting the pieces around him to maximize whatever he can do. And I think that that's exactly what you should be doing. And A.J. Brown is a guy who can elevate talent. So even if Hurts is not a, like, he could be a below average quarterback, if you put very good pieces around him, he's shown that he can be decently efficient. That's what you need. So I think that attacking in that area, attacking on the offensive side, attacking with a guy who gets you an increase in your projected passing efficiency necessary, and they did it well. So I think that that has to be far and away the biggest thing they did this year is getting A.J. Brown. Have the Eagles improved more than any other team in the division? I think by default, because most of the other teams got worse, <laughs> like the Cowboys yeah. got worse. Um, my numbers like the Cowboys a lot still, despite the fact they've gotten worse. So they're still my favorites in the division are the Cowboys. But uh, Washington, ooh, I mean, I, I like I don't know. The guy, I guess the, <laughs> is it lateral? It, OK, so Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke, but like. I don't know. Like, is it at that much of an upgrade? I don't know. It, it is an upgrade for sure. But like, does it does it net the team a better outlook? I don't know. So that's not that big of a move. Uh, the Giants, they're more so, I think, positioning themselves to make moves in the 2023 offseason, you know, writing out some bad contracts, trying to get those off the books next year, and then moving forward. So I think by default, yes, the answer kind of has to be the Eagles. And it's it. But I think that it is by default, but also like they have done legitimate things to improve this team. So yes, it's by default, but yes, they have also earned that mantle of being the most improved team in the division. But you don't think that they have passed the Cowboys right now in terms of roster? No, I do not. Um, And most of that is because of how important quarterback is. Um, Like it's also because I just have a very high view of Dak Prescott in general, and that's going to taint everything here because He's just such a smart quarterback. We saw last year before that calf injury, he was, I think like, I think he could have been an MVP candidate if not for that, that calf injury. And obviously now you have, you, you lose Amari Cooper. That's tough. Michael Gow coming off torn ACL. So his situation won't be as good, but if I'm going to have faith in the quarterback, maybe doing okay, despite maybe not an ideal situation, I think that Dak's probably on that list. So I do think that Dallas is still a pretty good, decent chunk ahead right now um you know you look at the the betting odds for these two teams dallas's win total 10 and a half at FanDuel sportsbook eagles at nine and a half i think i have them literally at those exact numbers i have dallas at 10.6 and uh, philly at 9.5 so i am very much in line with those numbers i think they're appropriate and i i think that that is the correct way to view the hierarchy of this division with the giants and washington both pretty far behind both of them I know you can't quantify this, but I, I wonder how the playoff loss last year to the 49ers affects the psyche. I mean, it just feels like the Cowboys are moving in the wrong direction with the way they lost that playoff game, seemingly having everything in front of them to go on a playoff run. 
and then losing the players they've lost this offseason. I also I also worry about not but when I say worry, gleefully worry <laughs> about Dallas's uh, rate of turnovers being sustainable. Yeah. I think a lot of the reasons the Cowboys were so good last year was they got a they got a stud year out of Micah Parsons, which listen, if he can repeat that season for them, great. But that you know, it's very rare you get a player turn in that kind of a season as a rookie. So uh, we'll see what he does this year, but also, you know, Trayvon Diggs is not going to intercept a thousand passes again. Uh, they're right. not going to, they're not going to have, we've, we've seen the numbers whenever a team has as many turnovers one year as, as the Cowboys did they, they it's not a sustainable number. So my, my thinking of the Cowboys is like you regression and you're right. I think it is going to come down to the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think Jalen Hurts does have to learn to throw the football with more consistency. And that if he can't do that, then it is really going to be incumbent on Jonathan Gannon's defense, whatever it looks like, to take a step up this year. Yeah, for sure. And with the Cowboys defense, I do have regression baked in there. Uh, they finished second okay. in uh, schedule adjusted passing defensive efficiency last year. They are outside the top six or seven for me right now heading into this year. So like there is regression baked in there. The reason why I can't knock them down too much is because they have big playmakers in areas where you generate turnovers, you generate turnovers via via sacks leading to fumbles, via interceptions. Micah Parsons is going to be a kind of guy who can contribute to those key things. Trevon Diggs, I know that we can criticize him for like going for the big play too often, but like, why not? Um, I like big plays are good, man. Like they're fun. That's that's yeah. a, that's not a <laughs> an outlandish <laughs> approach to things. Like, do you want a single, John, or do you want to swing for a homer and maybe strike out? I think I'd rather go right. for the dinger. So I, I get it, and I'm okay with it, and I understand that like they will regress and have that baked in, but I still think that because they have legit playmakers at very key areas, I'm okay still projecting them to be an above average defense even if they're not like sicko sicko defense once again this year uh, are we sleeping on the commanders a little bit if you think J- chase young comes back and he's healthy and he plays like he did his rookie year montez sweat comes back and he's healthy and you've got the stud jonathan allen in the middle um they've added some pieces to terry mclaurin on offense i'm still not sure they have enough at the skill positions on offense um, and of course, you, you do have you mentioned Carson Wentz just a minute ago. You and I are both not high on Carson Wentz as an elite level quarterback. But uh, if if he even if he plays the way he did in Washington, like he did with Indianapolis. And I, I really do think Carson had a decent season last year in Indianapolis until those last two games. Putting those last two games aside, if Carson Wentz has a season in Washington like he did for the first 15 games of his season last year. Are we sleeping on the commanders as a threat in the division? So I'm basing this like sentiment off of what the sports books are saying. So that's kind of, you know, how my brain works, I guess. For sure. um, they've got the commanders win total at eight and a half. It's heavily, heavily, heavily shaded towards the under. So it's basically like an eight or seven and a half win team based on where the juice is right now. And I've got them at seven and a half wins uh, at my numbers too. So I think that we are either appropriately viewing them or maybe even still a bit overrating them uh, based on where I'm at. Again, it comes down to quarterback play. And it's not just quarterback play. It is the situation surrounding the quarterback. Uh, They lost Brandon Sheriff. Uh, That's a pretty big loss. Logan Thomas might miss the first beginning chunk of the year because of his ACL. Um, Terry McLaurin's in kind of a weird contract dispute. That's in my mind, at least. Jahan Dotson, you know, I think he's going to be fine stepping in, but um, wasn't necessarily an upper echelon of the receivers in this year's draft. So I've got a lot of questions around their offense. Defense is very hard to project. It's not very sticky. They do have some guys there who are definitely fun. 
but I'm okay. Like I was low on them entering last year too. And that worked out fine. I'm okay being low on them again this year, just because I think people talk themselves into Washington because they see some of the the stars that they have, like Chase Young in that, and they they get excited about that, but kind of overlook the the ways in which they struggle, which is in the most important aspects of football with, you know, again, offense and th- passing offense specifically. Yeah, uh, historically speaking, selling on the commanders is generally the good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of getting a sense of where you have the Eagles and the Cowboys. So you have the Eagles slightly behind the Cowboys in terms of roster and projections right now. How how far away are the Eagles from the, I think, the, the three teams that most people in the NFL feel are the upper echelon NFC teams, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers? I think they're pretty far behind. Um, and... That's more of an endorsement of those teams, specifically the Bucks, uh, than it is a you know an, an indictment of the Eagles. I would say like the Bucks are the best team in football by my numbers right now, like and by a decent margin. So like, wow. I'm not going to ask anybody to be in like their realm just because I think you have them over the you have them over teams like the Bills over in the AFC and uh, yeah. and, and Kansas City. Yeah, right. Right okay. now it's uh the Bucks one, the Bills two, Chiefs three. Cleveland, if we assume Watson is playing, is four. I'd rather not assume that, but like whatever. Like if he were to play, they'd yeah. be fourth. And then Green Bay is fifth there. So like that's the the way that they they rank out overall for me. And then you get into Green Bay. Um, concerns around them with some turnover there, specifically on offense. I'm not really sure what that offense will look like for this year. Um, but it's also Aaron Rodgers, and I have to have a lot of like default faith in him to make things work. Sure. As far as the Rams go, I think they're kind of the, I don't know, not flimsy, um, shakiest team of that trio yeah. just because they have lost some guys. Andrew Whitworth was retiring. Not really sure what Allen Robinson will look like because he struggled a lot last year and is now a bit older. And it's been a while since we've seen like elite, elite play from Robinson. Have not signed Odell uh, back yet either. Bobby Wagner helps, but like they've, they've lost some pretty key pieces. So I would say they're the shakiest of that group. But it's also important to remember, like I've got Dallas up there too. Arizona, I still think will be decent despite missing DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, once he gets back, I think they'll play pretty well. San Francisco, there's uncertainty there with Trey Lance, but it's a great offensive system, a tremendous supporting cast that does elevate a lot of things. I still like my numbers like Minnesota. I don't, but they do. So that was like the push and pull all of last year where like every week they're like, Hey, you yeah. should bet the Vikings. So I'm like, I'd rather not. Um, and it was, every <laughs> week, and they're like, Hey, you should bet they're over. And I'm like, again, I'd rather not, but like, you know, whatever. So I think there are, a, I think the NFC is a bit underrated in terms of the teams that actually could be good here. Uh, so the Eagles are like a fringe playoff team based on my numbers, which is good. You know, that's not a, that's, again, it's not a bad thing. Um, but I, I, I think that it's worth, keeping that in mind, given the hype they started to generate specifically since the Brown trade and the Bradbury signing. I don't like any of what you said. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Give me one, give me one breakout player in the NFL this season, a breakout player in the NFL, man. That's uh it's a tough one because it, so much of it is dependent on context and situation. And I think that's why if I were to pinpoint a breakout player, 
and if I'm gonna have fun with it, and I'd rather have fun because it's May. Yeah, uh, with it. Trey Lance is that is that an okay I answer? Think that's, a, I, that's one of the guys I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, because I care a lot about situation, which means that every word I'm about to say also translates to Zach Wilson because he also has a good situation around him. But Trey Lance, smart offensive play caller, elite level, well, very good offensive line. He's got George Kittle, Debo for now, um, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. If he if he plays. He's got like the tools to unlock an upside. So I think that he could be a guy. I hope they let him start because it's just so much more fun if he's starting versus Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that that applies to Lance. It would apply to Zach Wilson. I liked Wilson a lot coming out of college. I am concerned with how things looked last year. And that's why I can't get like too jazzed with Lance is a bit more unknown and unknown can work in your favor sometimes. So, you know, I think that same thought process does apply to Zach Wilson but I'd rather apply to Trey Lance just because the physical tools are so, so, so fun. So I think both those guys would be on the watch list for this. I just, I think that Lance, I have a bit more faith in his offense than I do in Wilson's. And I think that that elevates things for me there. Yeah, that's the guy that I've been thinking of. And I think most in the NFL are thinking like, if there's a guy who's going to make a leap this year, you know, Trey Lance got to get playing time (laughs) in order to make that happen. And so let's, I hope they do that. All right, we'll step away. We'll take a real quick break. Uh, When we come back, uh, Jim and I are going to do a snake fantasy draft where we are going to be picking players from the NFC East. It's going to be kind of our way of ranking NFC East skill position players in terms of their fantasy value. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. All right, listen, to finish things up here, uh, because, you know, you're a big fantasy guy there with FanDuel, and uh, we all love fantasy football. We don't talk about fantasy football a whole lot on this particular podcast, but uh, we're going to do a snake draft, uh, Jim and I, of NFC East players. And we are each going to pick one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, a tight end. I actually included a flex. Uh, I emailed you earlier with this, but I want to include a flex in there too. Okay, perfect. Um, so, so you can pick another. Yeah, that can be any any offensive skill player, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Perfect. Um, and then we'll pick a defense. I, I had kicker on there initially, and I don't want to waste our time. I don't know so, if I can name uh-huh. NFC's kicker right now, honestly. So that's good. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I'd have to pull up rosters, and I'm not doing that right now. All right, so you have the first pick, Jim, and then I'll pick twice. Who are you going with with your first pick? I'm going to go CeeDee Lamb. I like the talent that Lamb had coming out. Um, I think that with Amari Cooper being gone, it's going to lead to a massive target spike for CeeDee Lamb, and I think he has the talent to make that work. You give Dak Prescott an offseason to get healthy. It's an offense that has been pass-heavy for a bit now, so I would say CeeDee Lamb to me, based on the expected bump in targets, based on... Uh, Dak being healthier this year. They play in a dome, which I factor in quite a bit as well because outdoor games suck. Uh, so I will yes. go CD Lamb as my first pick. There was a time when I remember playing fantasy football, like it was just running backs. He gobbling up running backs yeah. early in the first round and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think it's that way anymore. Um, 
And I was having a debate with uh, somebody. I was on uh, Washington, D.C. radio last week because I wrote a story about who I thought the 10 best players in the NFC East were. And it's so subjective because you're comparing offensive linemen to wide receivers and, and everything else yeah. like that. Um, but I uh, I have um, I, they were arguing that Terry McLaurin was the was the number one receiver in the division over C.D. Lamb and, and A.J. Brown. In and terms I had of fantasy C- or talent? Talent. Actually, I, I disagree with both. So I guess I don't know yeah. why I asked. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I I had McLaurin third. I had it as C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin. But I thought maybe I should have flip flopped the two of A.J. Brown and and uh, uh, McLaurin there because no. McLaurin is. I I feel I, I I waffled on it and I stuck with my guns. I I feel like the order is C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, and McLaurin. I agree. Are you in this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fully. Fully. Like A.J. Brown is is unreal um and like honestly if i were going based on talent i think that aj brown is closer to cd lamb than he is to terry mclaurin uh because like the after the catch ability is i mean it's for cd lamb too but the after the catch ability is absurd um the physical size is sweet like i love that It, it gives you a lot of room for error and i want that room for error so i think i think aj brown is in the same tier as lamb and i think that they for me at least are a tier above mclaurin all right, well, it's uh, my turn for two, and I'm going to take the other two guys we were just talking about. I, I would look for a running back here, but I, the, one, I think one thing about the NFC East is the running backs are just weak. They're, they're, <laughs> there's, not a, there's not a stud in the group here. So uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Brown um, at, wide, at wide receiver one, and then I'm going to go Terry McLaurin at uh, wide receiver two. Um, I just, you know, there, there's... I would love to have taken a running back there. And I'm, I'm thinking about, I was thinking about somebody else, but those are the two I'm going to take there and fill out my, my two wide receiver spots. And I think that's a very defensible move by you to go that because Brown, despite going to like a, a rush first offense, he was in a rush first offense before. I think the only difference right. for him is that he's got better target competition via Devonte Smith. than he had last year with the corpse of Julio and whatever else <laughs> was like the, the wide receiver two there for Tennessee. Right. Um, so I would have done the same thing as far as getting AJ Brown and with McLaurin again, I can criticize Carson Wentz a lot, but like he's a better distributor of the football than Taylor Heineke was that yeah. wording was deliberate. I'm not going to say better quarterback because quarterback involves a lot of things <laughs> beyond just throwing yes, the football um, yeah. distributor of the football. He's better. So it is an upgrade from McLaurin. So I, I get that for sure. And I think that Brown He's going at like the the front end of the third round in fantasy still. I think that's very appropriate just because, again, he was in a run first offense before. He'll be inconsistent because the passing volume will be so low. But inconsistency is okay if it comes with highs. And I still think the highs will be there because the talent is so good. And that can convert even on low volume. All right, it's your turn for two here, Jim. Two, uh, two players. Yeah, so you mentioned the running backs being weak, and I do agree. But I also think that receiver falls off quite a bit after those first three. So I'm going to double up, uh, use my flex spot that you so graciously yeah. gave me, and go with Saquon and Zeke because they've got their flaws. Uh, Saquon having trouble staying healthy, hasn't been super effective while being in the field, but he's a. I still think he's a very good pass catcher, and I wouldn't be shocked if you put a more or I should say less archaic offensive mind in place and minds. I should say minds because it's Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. And like, I'm a, I am a Northwestern fan. So huge Mike Kafka guy, uh, pretty pumped <laughs> that he is there. So I do think that that offensive pairing at least gets Saquon better access to a ceiling than what he's had recently. 
I don't really care too much about injuries personally. Like I think a lot of that's just variance. And so I don't care too much about that. So I will go Saquon with the first pick and Zeke in the second one. Last year, Zeke before that, that knee injury, like I remember thinking in, in like weeks two through five, like he looks good. Like I thought he looked really good running the football. Mm. Then he gets hurt and then he just looked trash. So yeah. how much of it was the knee injury? How much of it was other stuff? I think that for me, given the fall off at this position and given how much tight end or wide receiver has already fallen off in this draft, I think I just want to double tap the running backs and get a lot of volume at those two positions. And I think that that's, that's the right way to play things here. Um, I think you probably made the right choices too with the, the two you made, but with what's left on the board, I think I can have faith in the volume that they'll get, even if there are definite flaws in them as individuals. Sure, and and all the running backs in this division have have some serious flaws. Whether it's be because of timeshare issues or whether mm-hmm. it's because of health in, issues, and frankly, Saquon, Zeke, uh, Miles Sanders, they've all dealt with injury issues uh, during the course of these last couple of years. And um, but we are drafting NFC East players, uh, and <laughs> and as as such, uh, I've got another two here, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use probably grab two of the other top running backs in, in the division right now. I'll take Miles Sanders uh, to fill out my running back position. And I was debating, I was really debating, I'm, I'm debating this other one here. And I feel like I should take, I feel like I should take Antonio Gibson because I feel like he's going to get used a lot in the passing game, probably more than he has in, in years past. And I don't see another runner there mm-hmm. that is really going to compete with him for a lot of touches. I, I kind of want to take Devonte Smith because you know, he he's all, was also <laughs> almost at a thousand yards last year, but I, I don't think I can put AJ Brown and Devonte Smith on the same, yeah. on the same team. And so, um, and then, you know, there's a quarterback position sitting right up there and mm-hmm. there's, you know, some, some, I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson here okay. in my, in my flex position, uh, and take, uh, take the other two, the two lesser running backs, can, uh, in this. Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. you are more plugged in with Eagle stuff than I am. Uh, what is your read on like what Miles Sanders role will be this year? Because I am pretty inclined to think that he's a value in fantasy drafts right now, but I'm also, I've also been burned by him a lot. And so like, I want to make sure it's not like this, like I have a general, a general positive sentiment towards him. And I want to make sure that's not clouding my vision where I, you know, I'm overlooking other stuff. I feel like where he's going right now, he's at around picked 80, uh, in current ADP. I think that's probably too low, but I wanted to ask you first before I feel like totally, totally firm in that. Well, they haven't committed to him long-term, obviously, yeah. but they, they don't have another option. I mean, Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell yeah. are the two guys behind him. So I think they truly want Miles Sanders. If he's healthy, he's going to get the ball a lot. We, you look at what he did last year when he was healthy, he got the ball a lot, and he was very productive when he had it. So when Miles Sanders can stay on the field, he's a very good running back. For me, and I think the Eagles plan for him, I don't think they want to run it as much as they did last year, but... I think they want to run Miles Sanders. I mean, I think uh, I, I think he's probably a guy who will get 15 to 20 carries a game when he's healthy, and he'll be pretty productive in those games. He'll he'll get in the end zone, you know, because yeah. I don't. Th- they do like to run Boston Scott near near the goal line. He is a little bit of a bowling ball down there, but um, I think if you're looking at value running backs, if he can stay on the gosh darn field, <laughs> he's going to be playing for a contract this year. Yeah. I th- I think Miles Sanders is a pretty good bet. Okay, uh, that makes me feel better then. Uh, and I'm 
I think I think he'll probably go up in in his his cost as the offseason goes along. People realize the depth chart you alluded to, but I just wanted to check with you before I got too excited about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's the right call. I think that's the right call. Um, all right, so you have two now, and we both have our tight end and quarterback positions to fill. So. Yeah. And I had to fill my, my second receiver slot, too. So Oh, okay, that's right. We got Fly Eagles Fly, baby. I'm stacking Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith as my next uh. two picks because I do think there is a gap in fantasy between Hurts and Dak just because of the rushing. And rushing matters a lot. Dak seems like he wants to be a pocket quarterback, which is fine. He's good enough to do that. But it also does hurt his fantasy outlook. I think that he's good enough from an efficiency perspective to overcome that. But if my alternative is I can just take Jalen Hurts at the exact same cost in this situation, I'm going to do that. So I'll go Hurts at quarterback. Devontae Smith does lose some target projection, actually quite a bit, uh, with with A.J. Brown's being there. But like he showed last year he's a really good football player. And that means mm-hmm. he's still going to have a role. And if we're talking the, the hierarchy of targets here, obviously Brown will get his, Dallas Goddard will get some, and Devontae will get his. But like, are you funneling a lot of work to, to Quez Watkins? Um, Jalen Rager is probably hopefully not going to be there. Stuff like no, that. So yeah, yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I feel like he's still probably going to be hovering around a 20% target share. And yeah, it's in a, a run first offense, but relative to the other receivers on the board right now, I'm going to take that all day. So I'll go with Hertz and Devontae Smith here. I, I wanted to, I was hoping Devonte would, would last, but, mm-hmm. and I agree with you about Hertz. I do think as much as the Eagles would like to get away from being such a run heavy team, they have to take advantage of Hertz's running ability. And he's a guy who finds the end zone when he gets inside the 10 yard line. He's a guy who will make things happen, whether it's on a designed run or whether it's on a broken play, uh, he does find a way to get the ball in the end zone, running the football. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of value in that for sure. So uh, with my, uh, uh, my next two picks, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Uh, at quarterback, and then I will take uh, Dallas Goddard at tight end. And, you know, th- there's some good tight ends in, in the division, yeah. I think. Um, you know, Logan Thomas, if he's healthy, is is certainly shown that he is a talented guy. Um, and Carson Wentz does like to use his tight ends. And, uh, you know, Dalton Schultz with, with Dallas really emerged last year as a, as a high-volume guy. But I think Dallas Goddard is a, a head and shoulders above those two, a little bit more established. He, frankly, he's better than I thought he was going to be. I was not the big Dallas Goddard guy mm-hmm. uh, coming into last year. But last year was the first time he'd ever shown that he can be a really dynamic, game-changing, high-volume guy once Zach Ertz left, and I thought that was encouraging. So I'll take him as my as my tight end. So I'm going Dak and Dallas. Yeah, I think that for me, it's kind of a coin flip between Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard, in part because Goddard does lose a lot with A.J. Brown being there in terms of target projection. So that hurt me, whereas Schultz is losing Amari Cooper and he's losing Blake Jarwin. And when Jarwin was healthy, he actually did take some snaps away from Schultz at times last year. So I think that Schultz is actually pretty interesting. He's going decently high in drafts. Uh, He's around pick 80 as well. So he's right around where Goddard is. I will take Schultz though, as my tight end uh, with that being my final option. And so I've got lamb, I've got Schultz and I've got Z very Cowboys heavy draft. So Let's just bring it all together and go Cowboys defense too. Uh, I talked about before, they've got playmakers at the important spots to generate turnovers, even though they're not going to do the same rate that they did last year. I still think they'll be above average in those categories because of the talent that they have. So if I were building a real team, like a real fantasy team, 
I wouldn't want that much exposure to one team because if the Dallas defense towards a touchdown, that means the offense is not going back on the field. And that hurts my right. projection there. So if I were right. like actually going to use this team, I wouldn't pick Dallas. But if it sure. doesn't matter too much, I'll just take them anyway because they would be the first straight up defense I'd want. Yeah, it's just a vehicle for us to rank these guys. <laughs> yep. That's all we're doing. Uh, and then with the last pick, I was I, I actually have been debating in my mind Washington defense or Philly defense mm-hmm. because I, I do think there is a there's a scenario where the Washington defense is really, really good. Yeah. Um, where they just pile up sacks and they they can create some turnovers. And I don't know. I mean, the Eagles defense was not impressive last year under Jonathan Gannon. I am not a big Jonathan Gannon guy. He didn't show me anything last year. Um, I, just remember, get... I remember last year when like whenever it was announced that he would get like an interview like I follow a yeah, lot why? of Eagles fans and everyone be like hire him like all the Eagles yeah, fans please. like hire him please take him like the, it was like so fast every single time and it made me very happy with how many Philly people that I follow because it was a true yeah. delight to watch we were actively rooting for it to happen <laughs> that's like it doesn't very happen very often it's right. just there must be some kind something that happens inside the room right. that we don't see because there just wasn't a whole lot of adjusting by by Gannon last year I, I also don't think he had the horses that he needed to do what he wants to do I don't think there's any excuse now I think he's got the horses to play the kind of defense that he wants and I think the Eagles have gone out and gotten a number of playmakers uh, to go ahead and do that um, I think their secondary is much stronger there there's a little uncertainty in one of the safety spots but other than that they've really strengthened linebacker Kazir White could be uh, a big help there as well um, and I think the defensive line uh, especially up the middle should be should be more effective so I'll take the Philly D yeah, uh, narrowly over the Washington D for me, but I think the Philly defense has a better shot of being fantasy wise a, a a more productive team. So I think there are two reasons why you made the right pick. Um, the first one is defense in fantasy. A lot of it comes down to how often are you leading. Because when you're ahead, the opposing team has to throw. And you can't generate fantasy points on defense without getting sacks, interceptions, stuff like that. You can't get those without pass attempts. And so you want teams that are better. I've got Philly projected for two more wins than Washington. That, I think, makes them the correct choice there. The other thing is they do have, like, the horses now. And... They're going to do some fun stuff. Uh, they've I mentioned liking Dallas because they've got playmakers at key positions. So does Philly. So I think that you made the right choice. I did put thought into that as well before we went into this in case I couldn't get Dallas. I was like, okay, what would I do here? And I do think that Philly was the correct choice for, for the reasons that I talked about there. All right. Well, the order just for everybody to just uh, to to rest on here, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, the top three wide receivers go one, two, three, followed by uh, the four running backs, Saquon, Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson. Uh, then you had Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, Dak Prescott, Dallas Goddard, Dalton Schultz, Cowboys D, Philly D. Um, I frankly like your team a little more than I like my team. I, I, I will say that, Jim, uh, but uh, but they're both really good. Um, listen, folks, make sure you're checking out everything that Jim Sonis is doing over at FanDuel. And Jim, if people wanted to check out your podcast and everything, how do they do that? Yeah, our betting podcast is called Covering the Spread. And then all of our daily fantasy podcasts are on the Number Fire Daily Fantasy Podcast feed. Um, it's, a like I said, a fun time of year. We've got Three of the biggest races uh, coming up next week. Got the Monaco Grand Prix, Indy 500. We got the Coke 600. So it is like my favorite weekend next year. So it'll be a pretty fun week to talk some sports once again. Well, there you go. Check them all out again. Follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sonis. Jim, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. I appreciate it. John, it was a true delight. More than happy to do it anytime you want. Uh, happy to talk with you whenever the the itch may come. 
Jim's one of the good ones, guys, and uh, make sure you're checking out everything he does over at FanDuel. Really good dude and uh, one of my favorites. All right, listen, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. We got lots of stuff going on at BleedingGreenNation.com, like I tell you, every week. But even though it's the dead period, there's still lots of news going down with this team. You never know where they're going to sign another James Bradbury. So you got to be checking out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day. And check out all of the podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Would love to hear what you think about this show, Eye on the Enemy. Leave a rating and give me a review. Leave that five-star rating and a review over at Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think of the show. And uh, tell your friends about all of the stuff we've got going on here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Oh, by the way, if you're a Phillies fan, you can check out my Phillies podcast, Hit and Season, over at the Good Fight podcast feed. Thought we'd give that a little bit of a plug since we are in the middle of baseball season as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.